going to be looking at a new series of messages tonight uh, that I've titled Revelation. Now, don't be surprised. I'm not talking about preaching through the book of Revelation. I've, I've never done that in a sermon series. I've taught through it numerous times. And I may uh, decide to undertake it sometime before I die. Uh, but that's a whole lot of material there to cover uh, in the book of Revelation. Uh, instead, we're going to focus on Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29, which will be our theme verse for our study over the next several weeks on Sunday night. Uh, De Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. And so over the next few Sunday nights, we're going to be looking at the things the Bible specifically says are revealed to us as opposed to the things that God hasn't revealed and have kept to himself. You know, almost every week there's some headline somewhere uh, that's shouting out that something you don't know has been revealed. Somebody has an exclusive. Somebody has a story, and they want you to see it. And I'll just warn you, if something is exclusively revealed by the National Enquirer, you probably need to be a little skeptical. And quite frankly, that comes for just about all of the media these days. Has anybody besides me just about lost all your confidence in our national media and uh, it, it's, it's, it's really strange. I hate to say that because a free press is a, a very important thing for a society that intends to be free. But um, anyway, that's enough. I'll, I'll just stop there. Uh, a little skeptical about all the things that are revealed in just about any media source these days. But when the Word of God says that something has been revealed to us, and when we think about what Moses said in this passage, now he is well on his way to completing what is called the second law, and that should be obvious. Our uh, word uh, dual is uh, kind of akin to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, dual. It is the second giving of the law. Moses, before he died, was commissioned by God to give the Israelites a second uh, note of the law because all the people who had received it the first time basically had died. And, and now, before they went into the promised land, uh, they wanted a restatement of the law given to this new generation of God's people. As he is doing this, then, he gives us this incredible statement in our text. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. There are many, many things that God hasn't told us. Many, many things. And most of those things God has called a secret. The New Testament brought a revelation of some of those things called mysteries. Uh, Romans 16, 25 says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith 
To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Amen. What a great passage. I, I could preach a long sermon just on Romans 16, 25 and what that mystery was that Paul was talking about and all the implications of it. It's a great, great passage. Uh, but I'll bring it to you tonight just so we'd notice. God had kept that secret since the world began. How many of you know tonight that if God decides to keep a secret, that secret is kept? Okay. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes uh, uh, we might think about folks uh, who can't keep a secret, and some people can, and uh, and some people can't. Uh, God can keep a secret. God can keep a secret. And he did so. Since the world began, there were things that God simply did not reveal to us. Now, every parent knows about that. There's some things you just don't tell your children. Some things they don't need to worry about, right? Some things they don't need to know. Period. Uh, we know about things, and it's not that we're hiding things necessarily. It's just we don't tell them everything. How many of you knew when you were growing up how much money your mom and dad made? Did they tell you? Mine didn't. Did they tell you how much the house payment was every month? Mine didn't. Now, they did tell me when I was grown, and I was rather shocked, I must say, uh, at how small their house payment was. That was a marvelous thing. If you borrowed money for a mortgage back in the early 1960s and all of a sudden our money evaluation went on the inflationary standard, then you had a mortgage based on this amount and now you were making this amount. It was really a cool deal for those folks who borrowed money in the 60s. Some of you might have been those folks. Um, I doubt it, but you might have been. My dad was. I didn't know about all that till I was grown. A lot of things parents don't tell their children. A lot of things God hasn't told us. And I think we can probably reason that part of that is, number one, we can't handle the truth. <laughs> I'd, I'd say that. Number two, uh, we don't need to know all of these things. If we needed to know, God would have told us. Uh, but some things, it just wasn't his time. And he saved those things for the right time. But to try to speculate on what all those things are is an exercise in futility. What did the seven thunders in the book of Revelation say? We don't know. We could spend a lot of time speculating and at the end we still wouldn't know. Because they uttered their voices, the Bible says, and John was told not to write. Don't write them down. God didn't tell us everything. But instead, we want to focus our attention on the things that God has revealed because, quite frankly, we can spend a lifetime studying all the things that God has revealed to us and we'll never get them all down. But the things that he has revealed, the Bible says, belong to us and to our children forever. And the concept that that uh, Moses presents in this passage is one of obligation. When a task is assigned to us, we say, well, I have it to do. 
or it's mine to do. I, I've got it. It's, it's, it's been given to me. It's mine. And it is our way of saying that this is my responsibility. This is a task that has been committed to me and I'm responsible to see that it happens. Right up front then, we need to notice there is responsibility in Revelation. There is responsibility in Revelation. The things that are revealed, God says, belong to you and to your children forever that you may do them. There's obligation responsibility in revelation god you see didn't just give us his truth or the bible so we could be impressed by its symmetry or or its amazing uh, uh, poetic nature or or the way the books all fit together no god gave us his word to live by jesus said in john chapter 13 verse 17 if you know these things happier ye if you do them our statement ignorance is bliss <laughs> might very well be tied to this passage if you know these things, happier you if you do them. If you do them. When it comes to the revelation of God, we can't say that ignorance is bliss. We'd have to say ignorance is dangerous on an eternal scale. Ignorance of God's revelation means a person may not know the truth of Jesus Christ. It, means, it may mean that they are ignorant of all the dangerous and terrible things that God warns us about and says, don't do these things. It might mean that they're ignorant of the wonderful things that God offers us. So we can't say when it comes to God's revelation that ignorance is bliss. But we can say that when we have that truth in us, then we are accountable to God. One preacher used to tell his crowd that all those folk, he, he said, I see all y'all taking notes. He said, you understand, once you write them down, God holds you accountable for them. <laughs> I've always liked that. Uh, don't stop taking notes, uh, okay? You need them. You're accountable for them. You've heard them. You can't say, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, you know. So we'll look at some of these things. Some of the things we'll look at are things that are called mysteries that have been revealed in the New Testament. Some of them will be based on this very word, revealed. And I want to begin tonight with one of those and not just leave this in an introduction so I can give you kind of an example of where we're going to go. So uh, we'll look at this famous passage in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 1 tonight. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Great passage. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? I find it difficult to think about the arm of the Lord without considering the wonderful words of Deuteronomy 33 and 27. The eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, destroy them. Let's sing it. Leaning, leaning. Come on, you can do better than that. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a great song. Right out of the scriptures, we are leaning on the everlasting arms. What does that mean? That God is carrying us. In a way, it could be more than just leaning on the everlasting arms. It could be laying on the everlasting arms because it pictures God as carrying us along. Uh, God never gets tired. 
Never has to put us down. Never has to take a break when we still need carrying. It's an amazing fact of human nature that we tend to wait until we have gone as far as we can go. We run until we run out of run. And then and only then will we rely on God. But when we collapse because we can't take another step, when we give out under the burden, there are the everlasting arms. Jesus Christ instead actually gives us that specific invitation, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When you hear a truck pulling up a hill with a heavy load and you hear that big diesel bogged down, we say it's laboring under the load. Uh, your diesel motor inside of you may not bog down, but you know what it means to labor under a load. You know what it means to collapse under that load. To get to where you feel like you can't take another step. I can't carry this. I can't keep doing this. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a great, great, great invitation. Sometimes living itself becomes laborious. In every hospital in this state right now, there are people who are fighting for every breath. Many of them will get so tired they won't know if they can keep breathing, and many of them won't. I've seen that scene play out. You have too many times. There are times when just living there are times when you have to get up on Monday morning that you don't know if you can make it through another day or another week. God knows that too. And if you're carrying all that burden, I'm going to tell you something tonight. You are living beneath your privileges as a child of God. Because Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So that brings us back to our text tonight, this passage in Isaiah when he asks the question, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And he goes on, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, tells us right up front that Isaiah is talking about a person. And as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our sorrows and uh, or our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone aside to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus would give this commentary in John chapter 12, or John would give this commentary rather about Jesus' miracles, John chapter 12, verse 37. But although he had done so many signs before them, that's Jesus, they did not believe in him. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. 
These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. John 12, 37 through 41. So if there was any question about what Isaiah was talking about, John removed that question for us. He saw Jesus Christ in his glory. And the glory of Christ was the cross of Jesus Christ. The ultimate crowning achievement of Jesus' life was his glory, the cross. So when we consider all the incredible things that are suggested by the question, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, the answer must be that the arm of the Lord is revealed to those who see the glory of Jesus Christ, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Israel was blinded to that because all they could see was the repugnance of the cross, and they were offended by the cross, 1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block. They could not get past the fact that the Bible had pronounced a curse upon everyone who hanged upon a tree. And so they saw only the curse. That's all they could see. They couldn't see that Jesus Christ was made a curse for you and me. That he took that curse not because of himself but because of us. If you want to see the arm of the Lord revealed, then you can only see it by looking at the crucified Lord of glory. You will never understand the arm of the Lord until you see him stretched out on that old rugged cross. And you'll never see the arms that can carry you until you see them that way. Based then on John chapter 12 and on Isaiah 53, uh, I'm going to give you three obvious applications or implications to the fact that the arm of the Lord has been revealed. First of all, we see it as a saving arm. I know that you'd say, of course it is. Well, of course it is. The arm of the Lord is a saving arm. Verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his strength. We are healed. All we like sheep had gone astray. We have turned everyone aside to our own way. But the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. What does it mean that the arm of the Lord is revealed? It means that he is a saving. This is a saving arm. He saves us when we run to him. This has been revealed. It might be argued that there might have been some question at some point in time about uh, exactly how people were going to be saved. Somebody might could have argued about that. It might have been in debate or up to discussion. I, I can't speak of what might have happened back in antiquity or how things were back in the Old Testament times. Uh, the prophet Habakkuk said that the just shall live by faith. I believe it was. Uh, and, and that's been revealed to us all the way along. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That goes all the way back to Genesis. But I could see where 
where somebody says, well, exactly what do you believe on about God? I believe in God. That, I'm not saying that there was all this kind of different ways of salvation. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm just saying there might have been some times where people might have discussed it or wondered about it. But I want you to know tonight, the arm of the Lord has been revealed. Isaiah saw the glory of Jesus Christ, and that glory was him stretched out on the cross when he was wounded for our transgression and bruised for our iniquity. We see Jesus set before us as the means, the method, the hope of our salvation. Will you accept him or reject him? The arm of the Lord has been revealed. Great evangelist Sumner Wimp was fond of saying that the supreme tragedy of life is not what we suffer, but what we miss. And I want to build on that tonight by saying if you miss Jesus, you miss everything. You miss it all. It doesn't matter what you catch. If you miss Jesus, you miss it all. Then the arm of the Lord is not only a saving arm, it is a sustaining arm. Of course it is. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. It speaks to us of how that the arm of the Lord holds us up and gives us strength and carries our burdens so that we are invited to cast all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting is an interesting kind of concept. Any of us that's ever played baseball of any kind knows that you can do one of two things with the ball. And kids usually learn this on the t-ball field. And most of you, if you've ever coached t-ball or even some of the little leaguers, you understand that they have to learn this at some point in time. You can hold the ball or you can throw it. And you've got to make a decision. And a lot of times the little ones would just as soon hold on to it. They've been wanting to get a hold of that ball for a while and now they've got it. I've seen them run around in the outfield trying to get away from somebody trying to take the ball from them. Meanwhile, all four runs have scored. And I mentioned that tonight just that because it's a lesson we have to learn. You can hold on to something or you can cast it, but you can't do both. If you hold on to it, you don't throw it. So when God asks us to cast all of our burden onto him because he cares for you, we've got to turn it loose in order to throw it to God. Bad thing about burdens is it's got some sticky tack on it. I'm telling you, we'll say we're throwing it, but we'll, it's hard to get those hands to turn them loose. You know what I'm talking about tonight? Surely he has borne our sorrows. Surely he has carried our griefs. We must then rely on his sustaining arm. There are some things, folks, that we can't fix. Some things that we have to rely on God for. And when we get to those points in life, and we'll find many of them, then we can be assured that God is capable and God is faithful he will carry our sorrows and our griefs. Lastly, the Lord is a securing arm. I love the fact that the eternal God is our refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. How long can we count on God? <laughs> Eternity. 
How long can we count on God? Everlasting. You know, we sometimes worry whether God can take care of our tomorrow or not. We're a little bit worried about next week, next month, and we're already starting to worry about next year. Now, let's just be honest. We're not through with one presidential administration. We're already worrying about what the next one's going to do, aren't we? I want you to know the God that's got us through the last four years is going to get us through the next four years. God got us through 2020 is going to get us through 2021. We can count on God for how long? I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it easier to trust God with my eternity than I do to trust God with my tomorrow. But the same God is faithful for both. We trust in the eternal God and his arms are everlasting. He sustains us. Revelation. The things that are revealed belong to you and to your children forever that you may do them. That's going to be our theme verse for Sunday night for the next few weeks. And we'll start there and we'll look at some of the things the Bible tells us are revealed. I have to tell you also tonight that God's revelation goes from Genesis 1 all the way over to the end of Revelation. That's all his. It's all his. And isn't it a marvelous batch of truth that God has put together for us? The next time we're saying, you know, I wish God would have told me. Just stop. And say, I wonder if I've learned all the things that he did tell me. The secret things belong to you and to your children forever that you may do them. Let's stand together, please.